energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you are all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village and you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd also like to give a warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. You could be doing anything else right now. And so I appreciate you taking the time to check me out. And if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, then I invite you to catch up on all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and the Awaken Lounge. Now, I also provide links to each episode on Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. As a mental health advocate with lived experience, each week I will be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health, particularly within the BIPOC communities. But in all actuality, no matter who you are and no matter what your background is, we can all be impacted. The purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways that our mental health can be impacted, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but from the various stressors or trauma or even the circumstances that we face from time to time in our lives. So through education and advocacy for those like myself who have lived experience, the hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about our mental health can be more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups. And it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, Village, I cannot stress enough how essential self-care practices are for our mental health and overall well-being. We must learn to take care of ourselves, rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every week. And if you've heard the show before, you know that there'll also be plenty of music too. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song comes from this American R&B group 
as the first single from their studio album, Another Level, which was released in 1996. The song reached number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 and also in Iceland and New Zealand. Look at that. Now, this song ended the Macarena. Do you guys remember the Macarena? Hey, Macarena, all right? You know that dance? <laughs> it ended the Macarena's 14-week reign atop the Billboard Hot 100. In the United Kingdom, the song peaked at number nine. So this song was the final number one single of Cashbox magazine. In the track, it sold over a million copies in 96, and it also won the Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals in 1998. Now, every now and again, I want a little something to bump to. <laughs> so here's Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre and Queen Pin with No Diggity. Yeah, you know what? I like the play. No diggity, no doubt. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, fade to black street. The homies got at me, collab creations Bump like agony, no doubt I put it down, never slouch As long as my credit can vouch A dog couldn't catch me, say Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves Attracting honeys like a magnet Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent Still moving this flavor With the homies Black Street and Teddy The original rough shakers Shutting it down, good lord Baby got them open all over town Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much grounds, got game by the town Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind Wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. East side to the west side Pushing fat rides, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas By no means average It's on when she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect 10 I wanna get in Can I get down so I can I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up Bag it up I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up, girl. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. She's got class and style. She knowledge by the time. Baby, never act wild. Very low key on the profile. Catching feelings is a no. Let me tell you how it goes Curves the word, spins the verb Lovers it curves so freak what you heard Rolling with the fatness You don't even know what the half is You got to pay to play Just for shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it Trump tight all day every day Blowing my mind, maybe in time, baby, I can get you in my ride. I like the way you work it. No diggity, I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity, I got to bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity, I got to bag it up. Bag it up, baby. I like the way you work it. No diggity, I got to bag it up. Hey, yo. 
first class from New York City to Black Street. What you know about me? Now don't think of the thing. Cartier wooded frame sported by my shorty. As for me, icy gleaming pinky diamond ring. We bees the baddest click up on this scene. Ain't you getting bored with these fake bangs? How shows improves, no doubt. I've been thinking so. Please excuse if I come across rude. That's just me. And that's how a play it's got to be. Stay kicking game with a capital G. Ask the people's on my block. I'm as real as can be. Word is born. Faking moves never been my thing. So, Teddy, pass the word to your big and Chauncey. I'll be sending the call. Let's say around 3 30. Queen Pen and Black.
That was English singer Steve Winwood with Higher Love. It was the first single released from his fourth solo LP, Back in the High Life. It was written by Winwood and Will Jennings, and it was also produced by Russell Tuttleman, excuse me, along with Steve Winwood. Now, the female vocals on the song, in case you were wondering, were performed by the one and only Shaka Khan, who also appeared in the music video. Higher Love was Winward's first Billboard Hot 100 number one song, topping the chart for one week. And it also spent four weeks atop the US Billboard album Rock. Try saying that three times. And it earned two Grammy Awards, one for Record of the Year and for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Single Care Therapy has some information about breaking down barriers to mental health and five key steps to improve our care. Now, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's a time that's dedicated to raising awareness and identifying resources for those living with mental illness. According to the World Health Organization, the COVID-19 crisis triggered a 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression worldwide, as the last two years have taken a toll on millions due to the stress, isolation, and uncertainty resulting from the pandemic. I think we all can agree on that, huh? Now, given the short and potential long-term impacts, it's now more important than ever to have a foundation of knowledge regarding mental health and the signs to look for to help. For the past seven years, single care, which is a free prescription saving service, has helped millions of Americans save on their medications. And it's been a proud partner and supporter of Mental Health America, the nation's leading community-based nonprofit, which is dedicated to addressing mental health needs and promoting the overall mental health, all of us, okay? So MHA is getting back to basics for Mental Health Awareness Month, and they're providing a free toolkit. And I'll tell you a little bit later how you can, how you can um, access that, because it has all kinds of resources that can address mental health topics, including recognizing warning signs, knowing the factors that can lead to mental health conditions and maintaining mental wellness, as well as how you can seek help, okay? Now this year, Single Care and MHA partnered to survey Americans to better understand how they perceive mental health and what the barriers are for treatment. Additionally, MHA provided single care with their five expert tips on how people can address their mental health. All right, beautiful people. So let's see what this survey revealed. Now, I need to mention that this survey was given to a small group of people. And 
when you consider how many people there are here in the United States, I mean, in fact, in the whole world, the number may seem underwhelming, but I thought that it was important still to share this information with you because, well, I think that these were just the people who responded. And I'm certain that there's a great likelihood that we will be able to, in one way or another, relate to what their concerns were, okay? So first up, Americans feel that they need mental health treatment. However, many are not seeking help. So listen to the percentages, okay? 40% feel as though they do need mental health treatment. 26% said they have sought mental health treatment as a result of the pandemic related anxiety or depression. 74% said they've considered taking a mental health test or a screen. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. The next one, current events are impacting America's mental health. 39% said the pandemic has had the biggest impact on their mental health over the past year. Over a quarter of these respondents said that they've either struggled significantly or could use help following the pandemic. That makes a lot of sense considering what we mentioned before about the isolation and uh, the increase in anxiety and depression that people have felt as a result of all the changes that we had to go through, right? About one in five of the respondents said that they've been affected by mood changes, mood changes as a result of testing positive for COVID or experiencing symptoms of long COVID. 42% said that watching or reading about recent international news has had an impact on their ability to focus on daily tasks. I think we definitely all can relate to that, right? You only watch so much news and there's a lot going on and a lot of it isn't really good. So it can kind of get to you after a while. So I think that's understandable. And nearly two thirds of the respondents, which is about 62%, said the rising cost of inflation rates and rent increases has made a negative impact on their mental health. So, you know, again, what's important here to understand, Village, is poor mental health outcomes are not always the result of a chemical imbalance. Sometimes the stressors, the circumstances that we face on a daily basis can also impact our mental health if we do not have the coping skills to take care of ourselves as we're going through these difficult times. Because it is inevitable that there are gonna be good and bad times in life, but knowing how to take care of yourself as you're going through those bad times is what can help maintain your mental health, all right? Next thing was that the cost is the biggest barrier when it comes to mental health care. 80% said that mental health treatment should either be free or provided at a reduced cost through financial assistance by government programs. Yes, when I think about all of the things that are crucially, vitally important in this world, in this country, particularly the United States, we're considered a superpower. Yet, I don't always feel like they're taking the best care of us as their citizens. When you're thinking about healthcare, mental health care, education, housing, food, those things should not come with a struggle. They should be easily accessible to everyone in this country. And we all know that that's not the case, right? So it causes a lot of issues for us as a result. 
Now, 56% of the respondents said the cost of therapy and doctor's appointments are the biggest barrier when it comes to mental health care. And they mentioned these other barriers as well. 41% said finding the right doctor and therapist is a barrier. 34% said the cost of medicine is. 26% said they don't know where to even start to look, find care. 25% said the negative stigma with mental health care keeps them from seeking it. We've talked about that before. Stigma not only silences people from talking about what it is that they're dealing with, shame, embarrassment, all of those things take place, but also it keeps people from getting the help that they need as well. And then 22% said that they have difficulty finding a therapist or doctor who's taking on new patients. Now we can relate to that even from a, a physical sense, right? How many times have you, maybe if you get a new job and you're looking for doctors who are in your network of the insurance coverage that you have, um, often may come into that kind of a situation where you're interested in a doctor, but unfortunately they're not taking new patients, right? One way or another, we can relate, we can understand what is being said by these respondents in this survey, okay? Now, nearly a third, which is about 30%, said that they skipped either seeing a mental health professional or taking their medication due to the cost. Once again, you have heard about individuals who live with diabetes, right? And throughout these times where the cost of living is so much as far as like rent and all the other expenses that they're facing, we have heard people who have foregone their insulin shots because they weren't able to afford them. So again, we've heard about this on another level, right? And of those who are currently receiving mental health treatment, 17% said that they have paid over $100 visit. All right? Now, mental illness is insidious as it's commonly underdiagnosed since most don't know the signs to look for in themselves or in their loved ones. And that comes from Ramsey Yacob, who is the chief pharmacy officer at Single Care. And he goes on to say that making matters worse, many are then faced with expensive treatments, leaving them unable to seek the help that they need. It's imperative that those who need treatment can access can access more affordable options for medication or therapy, all right? Now, as I mentioned earlier, Mental Health America is offering five steps so that we can address our mental health, okay? So here goes. The first one is get informed. I mean, how many times do I encourage you, Village, to do your own research about the topics that I'm talking about, right? So that you can know for yourself the things that you may have questions about or that you may not understand. So get informed is their number one tip. Mental health refers to our emotional and social well-being, and it impacts how we think, feel, and behave. It plays a role in connecting with others, making decisions, handling stress, and many other aspects of our daily lives. Mental health deserves your attention just as much as your physical health does. You have to understand that there's more than your physical health to think about when we consider our overall well-being, right? So learning about the factors that affect mental health 
and the warning signs of different mental health conditions can help you catch problems early and to take action. The next tip is to know yourself, all right? That is something that's really important. We live with ourselves each and every day, right? And, you know, sometimes our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings, they change. And so it's a really good idea for us to stay in tune with ourselves and to understand what works for us and what doesn't work for us, right? Remember, I told you guys my word for this year is reflection. And reflection gives you an opportunity to sort of think about these things, right? So remember that not everyone experiences the signs and symptoms of mental health conditions in the same way. It's not cookie cut, all right? So it is important to have a sense of how you feel when your mental health is in a good place so that you can notice early if things start to change. So take a moment to think about a time when you felt good about your life. What kinds of friendships did you have? What kind of work were you doing? What hobbies did you enjoy? And what did your eating, exercise, and sleep routines look like? All of these things have an impact on the way that you feel, the way that you relate to others, and so forth. So again, take some time to think about those things so that you can get a better handle on it when you recognize that, you know, maybe things are not looking so good. Better the 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 better able you're able the more you're able to do that, excuse me, then the earlier you'll be able to catch those times when you're not feeling your best and you can do something about it. And it can be something as simple as finding someone that you can trust and talking to them about how you're feeling. Okay. There are small steps that you can take, um, you know, to maybe help you. All right. Take a screen, take a screen. Now a screen is a quick, free and confidential way to determine if you might be experiencing signs of a mental health condition. A screening only takes a few minutes. And after you're finished, you will be given information about the next step that you should take based on the results. A screening, ladies and gentlemen, is not a diagnosis, okay? I wanna say that again. A screening is not a diagnosis. It's just giving you some information about, you know, what's going on with you, all right? It can also be a helpful tool for starting a conversation with your doctor or a trusted loved one about your mental health. If you're interested in taking a screening, check yourself out and see how you're doing, then visit mhascreening.org to get started, okay? So that's mhascreening.org and you can find the screening there. Like they said, it takes a few minutes, it's free, and it'll give you some important information that you can share with your doctor or a loved one. Here's their next tip, practice self-care. Hmm, let me see, does that sound familiar to you guys? I'm always talking to y'all about self-care because it really is important. Remember, it's more than bubble baths and chocolate, all right? Taking care of yourself is critical to prevent your mental health from worsening. Factors like nutrition and gut health, stress, sleep, relationships, trauma, and more can contribute to poor mental health, all right? If your mental health is in a good spot, it is a great time then to practice coping skills ways to help you deal with hard feelings so that you're better able to handle tough times when they happen. 
All right, self-care, I'm telling you guys, you need to practice. Know when to reach out. That's also a very important step, right? We all have tough days and weeks and struggling with your mental health doesn't automatically mean that you have a mental health condition. I wanna just make sure that you guys understand that. Just because you're struggling, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a mental health condition, right? So I don't want anybody to think that I'm putting anything on you. I'm not, I'm just sharing information with you, okay? However, if you are experiencing changes in your thinking and emotions that are seriously hurting your ability to do the things you want to do, and you find that they're sticking around a little longer than they should, sometimes for weeks or even months, then it's time to get help, right? As I mentioned to you before, the single care um, services here, they conducted this survey online and it was, you know, uh, done actually in April of this year. Now the survey included only a, you know, a small amount of people that responded um, that were US residents and the adults, they, they ranged in age, or I shouldn't say rate, they, they ranged. It says that it was offered to uh, adults who are 18 years and older. And um, the census, it was, it was taken from the census so that the gender and the age and um, you know different US regions um, were represented in this survey. So they kind of spread it out so that they can kind of get an idea of how people were feeling, right? So I'm always encouraging you, Village, to do your own research, all right? And I'm hoping that the information that I shared with you from the survey will at least give you some things to think about. Remember, we may not all have a mental illness, but we all have mental health. And it is vitally important for us to take care of it for the sake of our overall well-being. So kings and queens, I began to talk about the mass shooting that took place in Buffalo, New York um, almost um, about two weeks ago. There were 13 people who were shot and 10 of them fatally. Now it's been established that this community was targeted because the community was predominantly African-American. And according to information taken from uh, the 180 page manifesto that was written by self-identified white supremacist, anti-Semite and fascist, 18 year old Peyton Gendron, the plan for this hate-filled racist attack, it actually began in January of this year now, according to what I've read, he had purchased the ammo before that, um, but began to seriously plan this attack in January. Now, he traveled from 200 miles away, coming from Conklin, New York, which is close to the New York-Pennsylvania border, just outside of Binghamton, New York. Now, not only did he take the lives of innocent people as they went about their business, shopping in this particular area's only grocery store, but he also live streamed this attack, inviting a selected group of people to watch as the carnage unfolded. He has been charged with first degree murder to which he has pled not guilty. And it is said that this will be prosecuted as a hate crime 
I find it interesting. I don't know, people. Like, tell me, what exactly is he not guilty of? Hmm? What is he not guilty of? Is he not guilty because he killed Black people? Is he not guilty of premeditation? I mean, it says he's been planning this since January. That sounds premeditated to me, right? The fact that you're planning, that's 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 pretty much some of the elements of first degree murder, is it not? The fact that he visited the area in March to canvas the area so that he could observe the busiest times when choppers were there so that he could have the maximum impact and then showing up the day before the attack for one last check. What is it that he's not guilty of? Is he not guilty of purchasing a Bushmaster assault weapon? What exactly is he not guilty of? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Or how about the fact that had he not been shot at by you know one of the heroic victims that lost their lives that fateful day, he would have continued to other areas to target more African-Americans. And then on top of that, he also had plans to target Jewish communities in different parts of New Jersey. So again, I ask, what is it exactly that he's not guilty of? In reviewing some of the details of this manifesto, apparently the shooter is a believer in the so-called replacement theory which he talks about the dwindling size of the white population and claims that white people are being replaced by non-whites in a quote-unquote white genocide. Now, wait a minute, village. We have to take a moment. Y'all know how I am about words and we must define this one, okay? We have to. The word genocide is defined as the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. Let me say that one more time. It is the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. Isn't that ironic? Now, I would like to know who is going around targeting white people? Who? I watch the news. I mean, I don't watch every news cycle, but I'm pretty informed, okay? Who is going around killing white people because we want to wipe them off the face of the earth? We want to get rid of them. Who's doing that? Please, somebody tell me. Who? I think that it's absolutely amazing to make that claim given the history of this country. Ladies and gentlemen, racial trauma is real, okay? And it definitely impacts our mental health. The symptoms are similar to that of PTSD. Can you imagine hearing that your people and your community is being targeted simply because of the color of your skin? I mean, but we must not be naive. We cannot be naive, beautiful people, because there are many, many, many people out there who think just like he does. Let's not get it twisted, okay? He chose this area because it was the closest zip code to him. 
that had the highest concentration of African-Americans. And as a result, Roberta A. Drury, 32 of Buffalo. She moved to Buffalo eight years ago and she dedicated most of her time to help her brother with his leukemia treatments while assisting her family with running their restaurant. She was said to be a happy person with a good heart. Margus D. Morrison, 52, also of Buffalo, was out buying snacks for a weekly movie night he had planned with his wife. He was described as a hero to his family who took on responsibilities helping to provide for his wife who was disabled. He was a sneaker collector and he loved music. He'll be remembered for his love, his kindness, and sense of humor. Andre McNeil, 53 of Auburn, New York, was picking up a surprise birthday cake for his son who had just turned three years old. Aaron Salter, 55 of Lockport, New York, engaged the gunman and was fatally shot. He was a former Buffalo police lieutenant and had worked at the grocery store, Top, for several years after his retirement. He was loving and had a caring spirit. He was trying to save lives and in the process, he lost his own. Geraldine Talley, 62 of Buffalo. She lived in Atlanta and was in Buffalo visiting family. She was doing her regular grocery shopping with her fiance when she was killed. She has been described as an amazing woman, sweet, sweet. And she was the life of the party. She was said to be a lover and someone who never met a stranger, which is what hurt so much, her family stated. Celestine Chaney, 65 of Buffalo, was a grandmother of six, loving, caring person. One of her grandsons was actually planning to surprise her with flowers and perfume because he had to work on Mother's Day and was unable to spend the day with her. She's also a breast cancer survivor and battled three brain aneurysms. Hayward Patterson, 67 of Buffalo. He took pride in helping people. He was a taxi driver and he was waiting for passengers when he was gunned down. He had a big heart and he would let people ride even if they did not have the fare. He was a father of three, was always happy and wore a smile. He sang at his church and was always dressed and pressed and he served there as a deacon. Catherine Massey, 72 of Buffalo. She was an activist who will be greatly missed by the entire community. She was a sincere, thoughtful, and honest writer who wrote about the issues that affected the Buffalo community. Just a year ago, he wrote a letter to the editor of the Buffalo News, urging federal action to prevent needless shooting deaths. Who would have known that a year later, she herself would be the victim of one? Ruth Whitfield, 86 of Buffalo. She was the mother of former Buffalo Fire Commissioner, Garnell Whitfield, and Pearl Young, 77 of Buffalo, was called a true pillar in the community. She never shopped at this tops. She was dropped off there after a prayer breakfast at church because it was the nearest supermarket. 
She usually shopped at another location that was further away, but she didn't want to inconvenience her sister-in-law who dropped her off. He would never have known that five minutes later, her sister-in-law would be dead. They had been besties for 58 years. She's described as loving and compassionate, and she was a long-term substitute teacher with Buffalo Public School. They all lost their lives as a result of his plan, of his hatred, of this replacement theory. All of these lives mattered, okay? All of these lives mattered to their families. They mattered to their community. And the community, which is pulled together just like a village, is helping each other get through this very painful and devastating time. Shuttle service has been made available so that people in the area can do their shopping at the next closest location, because there's no word when this location will open again. People have come together to feed the community, and even the Buffalo Bills showed up to show some love. Families have now begun to hold services for their loved ones, and Governor Hochul has mentioned that there has been funding set aside for these families in order to support them. But I just wonder, Village, will there ever be a day when all lives actually do matter? And that it's not just some offhanded response to a particular group of people who because of the color of their skin, their religious beliefs, or their sexual orientation are being minimized as they experience acts of hatred and aggression because they are deemed to be different? Will there ever be a time when all lives do matter? Will there? I'm just wondering. Okay, Village. Now, this next song was performed by this Earth, Wind, and Fire singer and this talented singer-musician from the group Genesis who came together to write and compose this hit song. Now, the song was number one in several countries, including Canada, the Netherlands, Ireland, United Kingdom. And in the US, it spent 23 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, including seven weeks in the top 10 behind the chart topping, excuse me, I Wanna Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Now this song won an MTV Music Award for best overall performance in a video in 1985 and was nominated for a Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a duo or a group with vocals in 1986. Here's Phil Collins and Philip Bailey with Easy Lover.
written by Babyface and Daryl Simmons. This song was the first single to be released from this American R&B singer's album, I'm Ready, in 1993. The song hit top 10 on the pop charts, peaking at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, and it spent a total of three weeks at number one on the U.S. R&B chart. It sold over 500,000 copies and earned a gold certification from the Recording Industry Association of America, and it won the Soul Train Music Award for Best R&B Soul Single by a Male. Here's Tevin Campbell with Can We Talk? And when we come back, I will get into today's topic.
Okay, Village, so I would like to talk with you this evening about our youth. Suicide rates and suicidal ideation, okay? And you may be wondering why. Well, it's because when it comes to discussions about mental health, we must also include our youth and talk about how they, in fact, are being impacted. I want to share this information with you for a few reasons because it's important to bring awareness to this very serious and growing issue. We cannot ignore it. And as with any aspect of our mental health, we need to be able to talk about it, whatever it is. I also think that talking about it just might save a life because when we become more aware, then we can be on the lookout for the signs and we can show up effectively for our friends and loved ones. And in this case, our children. Now, I'm not sure that if you're aware of this village, but suicide among young people continues to be a very serious problem. Did you know that suicide is the second leading cause of death for children, adolescents, and young adults? Now, when you read different information, the age group varies. So I'm just going to combine what I've read. Starting as young as 10 years old, 34 years old is the area of concern, okay? According to the information out there, I want you to understand someone as young as 10 years old is thinking about suicide or has attempted suicide. I want you to think about that for a moment. As young as 10 years old. You know anybody in your life who's who's 10 years old? I do. All right? Now, majority of children and adolescents who attempt suicide they have a significant mental health disorder, which usually is depression. Among younger children, suicide attempts are often impulsive. They may be associated with feelings of sadness, confusion, anger, or problems with attention and hyperactivity, okay? Among teenagers, suicide attempts may be associated with feelings of stress, self-doubt, pressure to succeed, financial uncertainty, disappointment, and loss. For some teens, suicide may appear to be a solution to their problems. Depression and suicidal feelings are treatable mental disorders. The child or adolescent, they need to have their feelings or their illness recognized and diagnosed and appropriately treated with a comprehensive treatment plan. That's why it's important to have like a so-called open door policy with your child so that they can feel comfortable to come and talk to you about these things, right? Thoughts about suicide and suicide attempts are often associated with depression. And in addition to depression, here are some other factors that you may want to be on the lookout for, all right? Do you have a family history of suicide attempts? Are they being exposed at all to any kind of violence? Like for instance, domestic violence, impulsivity, aggressive or disruptive behavior. Do they have access to firearms? Are they experiencing bullying, in-person or cyber bullying? Do they have feelings of hopelessness or helplessness or an acute loss or rejection? of some kind that's taken place. Now, children and adolescents thinking about suicide 
may make openly suicidal statements or comments such as, I wish I was dead, or I won't be a problem for you much longer. It's, it's important to listen to what people are saying and to not take it with a grain of salt, but to pay attention to what they're saying and then talk about what you've heard so that you can have an understanding of what exactly they're feeling, right? Often there are other warning signs associated with suicide too, and they include changes in eating or sleeping habits, frequent or pervasive sadness, draw from friends, family, and regular activities, frequent complaints about physical symptoms often related to emotions such as stomach aches, headaches, fatigue. There's a decline in the quality of their schoolwork. Or you'll notice that maybe they have a preoccupation with death and dying. Young people who are thinking about suicide may also stop planning excuse me, yeah, they may also stop planning uh, for or talking about the future, right? Because they don't see a future. They may begin to give away important possessions. People often feel uncomfortable talking about suicide. It's a hard topic to talk about. However, asking your child or adolescent whether he or she is depressed or whether or not they are thinking about suicide, it can be helpful. Specific examples of such questions include Are you feeling sad or depressed? Are you thinking about hurting or killing yourself? Have you ever thought about hurting or killing yourself? Being that direct, yes, they recommend it. Get the conversation started. Rather than putting thoughts in your child's head, these questions can provide assurance that somebody cares and it will give your child the chance to talk about the problems that they're facing or that they're dealing with, right? Parents, teachers, and friends should always err on the side of caution and safety. Any child or adolescent with suicidal thoughts or plans should be evaluated immediately by a trained and qualified mental health professional. If you or someone you know are having thoughts of harming yourself, please reach out for help. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or you can text CONNECT, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to 741-741 or you can visit the website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org backslash.
was Missing You, which was recorded by R&B singers Brandy, Gladys Knight, Shaka Khan, and Canadian R&B musician Tamia. The song was used to promote the 1996 film Set It Off. It was written and produced by Gordon Chambers and Barry J. Eastman and released as the lead single from the soundtrack album from the film. Film starred Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, Vivica A. Fox, and Kimberly Lease. It reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as number 10 on the Billboard Hot R&B Singles Chart. 
okay, village. So it's time for this week's inspirational story. And the name of the story for this week is called The Most Beautiful Heart. Here's the story. A young man was proud of his healthy and beautiful heart. One day, standing in the middle of the town, he proclaimed that he had the most beautiful heart in the whole valley. A large crowd gathered to have a look at his heart. His heart was smooth and shiny, and it did look very healthy. Indeed, the man had the most beautiful heart in the valley. Everyone agreed. The proud young man felt delighted and boasted of his perfect heart, which everyone admired. But suddenly, a voice from the crowd said, your heart's not as beautiful as mine. The young man searched for the person behind the voice and an old man appeared in front of him. Show us your heart if you believe you have got a more beautiful heart than mine, said the young man. The old man carefully showed his heart. Proud and the young man looked at the old man's heart. Now, the heart was beating strongly and healthily, but it was not smooth and shiny like the young man's heart. Instead, it had scars all over it. It had places where some pieces of the heart had been removed and other pieces were put in. The other pieces didn't fit perfectly and there were several uneven edges. And in some places, there were deep gouges where some pieces were missing. The crowd laughed at the old man's heart. How could he claim that he had the most beautiful heart when it was all scarred and uneven, they thought. The young man looked at the old man's heart. He laughed too. You must be kidding, comparing your heart to mine. My heart looks perfect and smooth, and yours is a mess. It has scars and tears. The old man said, yes, your heart, it does look perfect, but I would never trade your heart with mine, he said. Every scar in my heart represents a person whom I've given my love. I tear a piece of my heart and give it to them. Give it to them. Often, my loved ones give me back a piece of their heart, which fits into the empty places in my heart. And so, because everyone loves each other in a different way, their piece of heart, it may not always fit perfectly in my heart, which is why you can see some rough edges. These scars and rough edges remind me of the love we shared, he continued. Sometimes I would give a piece of my heart, but the other person may not return a piece of their heart to me. These are the empty gouges. Although these gouges are painful, they remind me of the love I have for these people too. So do you see now what a true beauty my heart is? Asked the old man. The young man and the crowd, they stood silently with tears running down their cheeks. The young man walked over to the old man, reached into his perfect, young, and beautiful heart, a piece of it, and offered it to the man with trembling hands. The old man gratefully received his offering, placed it in his heart, and then took a piece from his heart and placed it in the young man's heart. The young man looked at his heart. It did not look shiny and smooth like it used to, but it was now more beautiful because he could feel the love from the old man's heart flowing into him. They embraced and walked away side by side. Now what's the moral of the story, Village? Love is but the discovery of ourselves in others, and the delight 
in the recognition. This song was recorded during this next artist's solo career, and it was a song that was specifically written for the television show Miami Vice. Where are my Miami Vice fans, huh? <laughs> and that was in 1985. Now, the song peaked at number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. And although it didn't reach the top of the Billboard Top Rock Tracks chart, the song, along with Jan Hammer's Miami Vice theme, helped the Miami Vice soundtrack album reach the top spot of the Billboard 200 chart. Okay, I have to ask this. So who was your favorite? Was it Crockett, who was played by Don Johnson? Or was it Tubbs, played by Philip Michael Thomas? Well, I think I have to go with Tubbs. Oh no, maybe it was his eyes. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> we all know that Crockett had the cars, but I'm sure that some would even say he had the, the outfits. But I don't know. I just feel like Tubbs had the looks. <laughs> Here is Glenn Fry with You Belong to the City.
Bended Knee, which was a 1994 number one hit single by Boys to Men for the Motown label. It is the second single from their second album, too. It was written and produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and the song reached number one on the Hot 100 Airplay and number two on the Hot Singles chart. Now, on Bended Knee, it stayed at number one for a total of six weeks. The single is notable for having replaced the previous Boys to Men song, I'll Make Love to You, as the top song on the Billboard 100 in the U.S. This was the first time that the act had replaced itself at number one since the Beatles with I Want to Hold Your Hand, She Loves You, and Can't Buy Me Love, monopolized the top of the chart for 14 weeks. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is. 
especially if your life is involved. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and I'm looking forward to being with you all next week here in the Village, Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm, as in Mary, and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and there is a link available to each episode on Instagram, again, at villagementality.ckm, and on Facebook at Village Mentality Podcast. And you can go to theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. You can catch episodes there as well. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. So stellin, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Yeah.